Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome. Amanda Grace here with Chet, one of our resident birds at the sanctuary. Grace is right there right now. So the birds are out. If they get too loud, I will quickly run and put them away. But Chet wanted to say hi. Say hi to everybody before we begin. You have a lot to say sometimes, I know. So we're here today. Welcome to everybody watching the United States and around the world. And welcome to our moderators and our Ark of Grace team. Thank you for helping us do what we do for the Lord. We see so many people in the chat that are coming in, not only from the U.S., but from around the world. We've seen Australia. We've seen Sweden. We've seen so many. So welcome to them. It's wonderful that you can all interact in the chat. And this is a very important and crucial broadcast. This is Israel at War Part Two. We are going to be talking about um, the the prophecy and the mysteries behind why this is happening. I'm going to give you a lot of the groundwork of this biblically. Well, hello. There you go. There was your, there, right there. See, Grace just flew right by. So there, there's your, there's your like Holy Spirit almost moment with her and happy flutters with her flying by. So we're going to begin in just a minute. I'm going to open up in prayer because we have a lot to get through today. So Father God, in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, we come before you. We praise you. You are almighty God. You are high and lifted up far above every power, principality and might. We give you all the glory, honor and praise due your precious holy name. Father, we humble ourselves before you this day, asking that the pull of the flesh becomes less in our lives. So you, your will and your power become more in our lives. We acknowledge you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to the earth in the form of a man. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Passover lamb, the sacrifice for our sins. He willingly died at Calvary. He purchased us by the shedding of his blood. And after he was buried, he rose again in three days, as was prophesied, ascended back into heaven, took his rightful victorious place at the right hand of the father, where he rules and reigns forevermore. He is our advocate before your throne. And we honor that before you this day. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we invite your presence, the presence of Ruach Elohim, the spirit of the living God, and the presence of the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, to saturate the atmosphere, to fill this place, Lord, that the weight of your glory would fall, the power of your presence would mightily move, Father God, that you would lead and guide us in all wisdom, counsel, might, power, and the reverential fear of the Lord. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, by the spirit of the one true living God, may only the truth and power of almighty God with authority now come forth in Jesus name. Father, allow me the humble privilege of being a vessel for your power, Father. Father, I just ask you to dispatch your holy angels of all rankings and divisions, Father God, to surround us here, Father God, the skies and the land, Father God, to fill this room, Lord, in Jesus' name and protect us as we go forth. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we just praise you that you are dismantling the works of the enemy. Every plot scheme, contract, assignment, weaponry, blueprint, attack, strategy is dismantled, broken, canceled, aborted, nullified, voided, Father God, disarmed, dismantled dismantled and bound up and cast back to the dry places, pits and areas you have designated Lord to be bound there in the name of Jesus Christ and not return or have anything sent in his place. Father, take all the glory for yourself. Father, we say for our Jewish brothers and sisters out there, Baruch Hashem, 
All praise and glory be to your name, Father God. You are the pottery and most certainly just the clay. Without your breath of life in us, Lord, we don't have life, Lord. And we praise you this day, Lord. You are Jehovah Zidkanu, our righteousness. You are Jehovah Nisi, our banner. You are Jehovah Shalom, our peace. You are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name, Yeshua. Amen and amen. Amen. And Jet is on the keyboard, so we will see how this goes. So. I'm going to begin here because there's a lot to get through here of what's going on and 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 the, the mystery behind what is happening and the prophecy uh, as well, biblically, and as well as what the Lord has given me throughout the last uh, four years or so. And I shared some of it on the last one. We're going to share a little more on this one. So I'm going to start with May 24th, 2023. In an excerpt from a word from the Lord, it says, Thus says the Lord, do not ask for a king in your nation. Ask me for the one appointed to lead. Teetering on the edge of Saul, says the Lord. Battling instead of David's facing Goliath, facing the Philistines, facing the pagan enemies that have blasphemed on altars in high places in your nation. Two unaltered rams says the Lord, all capitals here, must listen in this hour or they will tire themselves and the people out with more ramming than running the race, says the Lord. I believe the Lord here is talking about President Trump and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. I'm starting to believe that these are the two unaltered rams. Now, if you know anything about sheep, and I can tell you firsthand because we got them here at the sanctuary when they are unaltered, okay, um, and intact, they want to do nothing but ram and bump and try to dominate. That's all they want to do. And the only way to deal with that is to pick them up, put them on the floor, hold them there till they stop struggling. So they see that you are stronger than them and they have to submit. So I just want you to keep that in mind as we go forth. Now, I'm going to read to you a few things from scripture here that correlate directly to what we see happening in Israel right now, what we see happening in Gaza. I'm telling you, watch that border of Jordan between Jordan and Israel, because I saw that in a dream on June 24th, 2023, that there was heavy activity at the border between Jordan and Israel. So I would just watch that area as well in the middle of all of this. Jordan could represent the line of Esau too, rising up to try to take his birthright back, but just keep that in mind. So we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 20. I want you to listen to this. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day. Now, keep in mind that number three, because we're going to talk about a prophecy in a little bit where the Lord said things would come in threes. On the third day that the Amalekites, that spirit of Amalek, had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. What did they do? What did Hamas do? They went in and they burned the, those pe people's houses, those precious people with fire. Okay, spirit of Amalek. So they burned it with fire, verse two. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone and carried them off and went their way. So what did they do? They took hostages. Okay, so in this case, they took hostages alive. They didn't kill anyone. They burned their houses down though. And they, and they took these hostages. Okay, 
and carried them off. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. What did the Lord come to do? He comes to set the captives free. Remember that. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep because it was complete devastation. Verse five, now David's two wives have been taken captive, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. So now the people are angry at the leader that he let this happen. Okay, sound familiar? They're angry at the leader because he allowed the breach. Okay, David didn't see it coming. So they talked about stoning him for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. But David, what did David do? He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. If the leadership of Israel want to come out of this victorious, they need to come under that yoke and strengthen themselves in the Lord God Adonai right now in the middle of all of this. Verse seven, then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, pursue, for you will surely overtake them and you will surely rescue all. You will surely recover all. So David went, he, let me see here for a minute. He and the 600 men who were with him. So he had 600 men with him and came to the brook Besor where those left behind remained. But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 who were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor remained behind. Verse 11. Now they found an Egyptian. Listen to this because who was the one that warned Israel of the attack that was coming? It was Egypt. Now they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he ate and they provided him water to drink. They gave him a piece of fig cake and two clusters of raisins and he ate. Then his spirit revived for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. There's the number three again, things coming in threes. David said to him, to whom did you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind when I fell sick three days ago. We made a raid on the Negev of the Cherethites and on that which belongs to Judah and on the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. So he's telling them the whole thing they did. Then David said to him, will you bring me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will bring you down to this band. Verse 16, when he had brought him down. So Egypt is giving the intelligence to David in order now to try to recover what has happened here. Behold, they were spread over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Verse 17, David slaughtered them from the twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives. 
but nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that they had taken for themselves. David brought it all back. So David had captured all the sheep and cattle, which the people drove ahead of the other livestock. And they said, this is David's spoil. Now I found this fascinating being that you're dealing with Amalek. Okay. And we're dealing with this. Oh my goodness. Do you see where Chet is? Hold on a second. Chet is actually perched on top of the picture right now. Chet, honey, you cannot do this here. Come here. Okay. Okay. He perched himself on top of the picture facing the wall. Like he went to the corner now. Come on. So I found this interesting because, and this is what happens when you let the birds out, but we like it anyway around here. And so do our viewers. So this is why every now and then you still see them coming out. Uh, they're actually right to my right in my office. So they're in here. Uh, it's just they have their own little nice space now. So you have the spirit of Amalek coming, raiding David, right? The Jews, raiding the Jews, taking hostages, right? Their wives and their sons and their daughters, burning it with fire, okay? So all of these things happened just now in what happened, what started in Gaza with this surprise attack a day after the 50th anniversary, the Jubilee year of the Yom Kippur War. And then you have an Egyptian that gives them the intelligence as to where they are keeping the hostages and their spoil. Who was the one that tried to warn them that Hamas was going to come and do all this? Egypt is in the middle of this somehow because somehow they tried to warn the Israeli government that Hamas was going to attempt this. Okay, so let's move on now. Let's go to May 24th, 2023. Thus says the Lord, there are three lines being drawn in your nation, the east, the west, and the central part of your nation. Three lines are being drawn and events shall happen in threes says the Lord in thirds. Okay. Now keep that in mind as we go forward, because this is going to come back up. I wanted to, I wanted to set the precedent for this now. So this is going to come back up. If we go to July 21st, 2023, something very interesting prophetically came forth from the Lord, from my mouth, like an emergency broadcast system that yells, this is a test of the public emergency broadcast system. This was July 21st, 2023. The test looks to be written and sounds like a real emergency broadcasting event. However, this is all capitals with a test. You have no real emergency. The test is, 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 is a run to test and see when the real emergency happens. All systems are in place. That's capitals too. Now that happened July 21st, 2023 is when I spoke this prophetically. Okay. Three days before the war began, the war began on October 7th, which means October 4th. Okay. We had a nationwide test of our emergency broadcast system, a nationwide test. Things shall come in threes. Things shall come in thirds, right? That was from May 24th, July 21st, prophetically going and talking about the emergency broadcast system. And suddenly they come out with, we have to do a nationwide emergency broadcast test, right? In September, they start warning. Late September, they're going to do this test. Three days before the war begins, this happens in the United States of America, okay? Now, 
we're going to go into something that prophetically I spoke about April 11th, 2020. Okay, so this is over three years ago now. And this is the mysteries. This is the roots. This is what's behind what you're seeing right now. Okay. So there is a parallel between Esau and Nimrod and Assyria and Edom. The Hebrew meaning of the name Esau literally means doer, maker, or worker. It comes from the Hebrew word also known as which means to do. Okay. Esau was hairy. The Hebrew word for hair is seir. Okay. And he came out of the womb red. Now the Hebrew word for red is Edom. Okay. So the Hebrew word for hair is Seir. The Hebrew word for red is Edom. Edom is also the nickname for Esau because he came out red. Okay. Edom is going to represent Esau's descendants. Okay. Through that line, you can trace it to the Palestinians. Okay. Edom also represents the land of Esau because remember Esau married Canaanite women and had children, had mixed children from a pagan race and from the Jewish race. Okay. Remember that Edom also represents the land of Esau where he dwelled. Edom is actually near Southern Jordan. It is a desert. It's barren. How interesting, because when we move away from the things of God, we spiritually become barren. Esau moved away from the things of God. He gave up his birthright. He squandered it. And therefore, you see that line becoming barren. Edom, to the Jewish people, represents the last place on earth, truly. Edom also represents Rome. Rome, they were horrible taskmasters, the empire of Rome. Horrible taskmasters, very oppressive to the people, sort of like Egypt was, traveling back through the line to Nimrod, who was a mighty hunter before the Lord, oppressing the people, discouraging their following of Almighty God, conquering people in spite of God, and ruling over them. Okay? Edom was the word that the Jews used for Rome. So if Edom is the word Jews used for Rome and Edom is Esau and Esau goes back to Nimrod, we see the largest, most pagan, wicked, oppressive empires in history all trace back to Nimrod. It all starts the birthing of these empires, okay? And this horrificness and this oppressiveness through Nimrod. Now, Keep that in mind for a minute because we're going to go to Psalm 83 because it talks about this, okay? And then we're going to go back to Nimrod. Psalm 83, do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Who was chanting death to Israel and death to America? This is going on. The Iranian government. Remember this too, as we go on. Verse five, for they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, and Amalek. There's Edom, there's Amalek. 
Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Deal with them as with Midian. Remember with Gideon, how they destroyed 147,000 Midianites? As with Sisera, as with Jabin at the Brook Kishron, that had to do with Deborah and Barak, the general, and Deborah, the prophetess, advising him, and they defeated them, who perished at Endor, who became as refuse on the earth. Now, there's a gentleman by the name of John Trapp, and he noted that this means when they became refuse on the earth, they lay unburied, rotted above ground. Okay? This added to the defeat and disgrace of Israel's enemies. So I just wanted to add that in there for you. Verse 11, make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb. That had to do with Gideon also in Judges. Yes, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take for ourselves the pasture of God for a possession. Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, which means scatter them, Lord, scatter them. As the fire burns the woods and as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Asaph sang this prayer in a time of national crisis, this psalm. He sang this psalm in a time of national crisis. Enemies had come against Israel who were set on their national destruction. If God were to keep silent or hold his peace or be still on behalf of Israel, they would be destroyed. This was the crafty council of the nations united against Israel. This desire of a confederation of nations to destroy Israel did not end in the days of Asaph when he wrote this psalm. His prayer could be sung today as neighboring nations have taken counsel to use proxies to try and destroy Israel. Adam Clark paraphrased the words of Psalm 83 verse 4. Let us exterminate the whole race that there may not be a record of them on the face of the earth. Okay, that came from Enduring Word Commentary, and that is what Psalm 83, 4 means when they want to destroy it. Let us exterminate the whole race, that there may not be record of them on the face of the earth. Who said that also? Hitler. It's the same spirit. It's that same spirit of Amalek. It's Edom. It's that spirit of Esau rising up. Enemies often come together to attack God and his people that very day. Okay, so to put it in context for you, in Luke chapter 23, something happens, right? And we're gonna we're gonna put the New Testament in here because it it, it really applies to this. The old and new testament completely apply to what is going on right now. The enemies often come together to attack God and his people, right? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Okay, so in Luke chapter 23, verses 9 through 12, this is what it says. It's talking about Yeshua, Jesus. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity 
with each other. So you see, when there is a common target of destruction, those that may be at enmity with each other will join forces in order to try to destroy what is of God. Charles Spurgeon said, what a motley group they were. A league against Israel is always attractive and gathers whole nations within its bonds. McLaren said, let them come from east and west, south and north, and close round Israel. God alone is mightier than they. Amen for that. Israel faced threats of her existence in the days of the judges, and God delivered her. Asaph's prayer reminded Israel of God's previous rescue of their nation, using it as a reason to trust him in the present crisis. The phrase, the pastures of God, reminds us again of what high regard God has for the land of Israel. He regards it as his pastures. Why? Because we're his sheep. He's our shepherd. So the enemy's thoughts are rephrased in the prayer to bring out the truth about the territories they had coveted. These were the pastures of God, not simply the holdings of Israel. And Kidner said that. Okay. And this is it today. These are the pastures of God they are going after, not just the holdings of Israel. Asaph prayed that God would take these many enemies determined to destroy Israel and scatter them like chaff before the wind and the whirling dust. He prayed they would be consumed like fire burns the woods. Asaph ended this psalm with an unexpected turn. Okay, so he prays for their destruction, but then he does something. And he says, after praying for the destruction of Israel's enemies, he prayed that he would be thoroughly humbled. Fill their faces with shame is what Asaph said. So they would be led to seek Yahweh. Asaph understood what we often forget in the middle of these when we see this rise up in the world. People will often only seek the Lord if they are first laid low before his power. There is a sense in which God must defeat us before he will save us. But there is a deeper desire in the psalmist's heart that, uh, than the enemy's destruction. He wishes they should be turned into God's friends, and he wishes for their chastisement as a means to that end. And McLaren said that also. Above all, because the Lord wishes that none should perish, and Asaph understood this. And so above all, Asaph wished they would be humbled and brought low, and they would turn to Yahweh instead of trying to destroy his people and take his pastures. Now, keeping this in mind now with Psalm 83 and Edom and Amalek, let's go back to Nimrod and Babel, okay? Because that's where that line comes from, okay? So, interestingly enough, Babel spelled backwards is Labab, okay? Labab means soul or inner man in Hebrew. Babel means a confusion of voices. So when the Labab, the inner man, the soul is corrupt, you build a Babel, a device that confuses voices. Isn't that interesting? Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 through 12. Now Lot, who, who went with Abram, 
also had flocks and herds and tents, and the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanites and the Perizzites who were dwelling then in the land. So Abram said to Lot, because they were all dwelling there, please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right, or if to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan. Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan. Nothing good happens in a valley. Let me tell you, if you look through the word of God all the way to the end of Revelation, you always got something tumultuous happening in a valley. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan and Lot journeyed eastward, which means he... The way they translated this, and I'm going to tell you this in a minute, because it, it, it means something else. While Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now, here is where it gets interesting. The Hebrew text does not say Lot journeyed east. The Hebrew text says Mikadem, which means from the east. Okay. This became so baffling that many English translations mistranslated it, but there is an explanation for this. So in the Hebrew language, East is not geography. East means the origin from the beginning. It's called the East because that's the origin of that day. That is where the sun rises. Kedem from the Mikadem actually means the origin. So enter Nimrod, okay? Essential to the Nimrod approach is always a journey away from the east. So when Lot leaves Abram or Abraham, he is actually leaving God. He is distancing himself from God. The covenant is with Abram or Abraham. Remember, the covenant is with him and Lot is going to Sodom, which is for sure leaving the covenant and leaving God and leaving the east, right? He's leaving the east, which means most likely he's going west. In chapter 13, we see Lot and he journeyed away from Gedem, which is God. It's the source. It's the origin. I think that's Mikadem, which I will, which I will correct. Now, knowing this, let's walk two chapters back to chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. Okay. So now we know this. Let's walk it back a couple chapters. How does the count of Babel begin? Genesis 11, 2. And as people journeyed from the east, leaving the place of origin, leaving the covenant, leaving God, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. Here is the same pattern. They traveled away, right? From God, from the source, from the origin. This is not a geography thing. They journeyed away from God. At the crux of the Nimrod approach is a journey away from God. The Abram approach or Abraham approach is a journey to God. Every political and geopolitical struggle since this time has been between Abraham and Nimrod. It is on a spectrum. So not everyone may be Abraham and not everyone may be Nimrod. But you see in one way or another a struggle between these two approaches. 
even into our political system in the United States of America today, either journeying to God in the covenant or journeying from God and the covenant. Now, interestingly enough, the numerical value of Abraham is 123. The numerical value of Nimrod is is 213. I do not find this a coincidence. The two and the one are switched. And if we look at this, Abraham knew he was subject to God because he had the covenant. He knew he was subject to God. So God, number one, Abraham being number two, being under the Lord, okay, brings us to three, which is because of the covenant, okay? Now, Nimrod, whose value is 213, number two, Nimrod, wanted to rebel and become number one, almighty God, to overthrow the covenant that was coming, to try to overthrow the plan of the covenant and ultimately Jesus Christ coming to this earth, okay? So the two and the one are switched. Abraham, in the first one, 123, God number one, right? Abraham being number two because of the covenant. Nimrod 2.13, number two, Nimrod wants to be number one God and overthrow him in order to try to steal a covenant that was coming. So I find this fascinating with this, with what's happening here with, with the Abraham and Nimrod, because you can see it in what's going on in Israel now. You can see it in what's going on in the United States of America now, okay? Nimrod was the sixth born of Cush. And if we add up his numerical value, two plus one plus three, we get six, okay? So he was the sixth born of Cush and his numerical value actually equals six when you add up the numbers. I don't think that's a coincidence either. It says in Genesis chapter 10, verse eight, that Nimrod was a mighty hunter, right? a great leader, a great warrior. He conquered other nations and peoples. He was conquering people's souls before the Lord. That word before, okay, in Hebrew is lifne and literally means to the face of. And in this context means to the face of Yahweh and can mean that he was a mighty hunter in place of Yahweh, implying that he rather than Yahweh or almighty God is the provider of the people. Why? Because number two wanted to be number one. That is the rumblings right there of the spirit of Antichrist in the first book of the Bible that then fully manifests itself in the last book, Revelation, okay? We can solidify this by looking at Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me, okay? No other gods before me, says the Lord, meaning to the face of God, right in front of the Lord, in spite of him. Nimrod was attempting to put another God before him. Okay. That was the beginning of the idea of Babel. Okay. To do in spite of God, right? 
to totally ignore the power and sovereignty of God, to rebel against God. Okay, this is what Nimrod was doing, and Babel was birthed from that. Genesis 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth spoke one language and used the same words. At this time, the earth was not divided. We know this because it speaks that it is of one language. All of the nations who came forth from Shem, Ham, and Japheth, stated in Genesis 10, okay, which which I had gone over in a previous teaching. I think I will find it. It was a previous teaching. I had gone over this. But all of these nations, okay, all of the, the descendants, right, of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right, um, end up finding them in Shinar. Okay. So some, a lot of these descendants end up in the Valley of Shinar. Genesis 11 verses two through three. And as people journeyed eastward, okay, from the east, away from the east, away from the place of origin, away from God, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and fire them thoroughly. So they use bricks for stone and they used tar for mortar, okay? Genesis 11, 4, they said, come, let us build a city for ourselves and a tower whose top will reach into the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves so that we will not be scattered and be dispersed over the surface of the entire earth. Now, I find it interesting that if you go to New York City, or you go to some of these major cities in America, all you see are towers. All you see are towers, okay? Which in many ways is the residue that Babel left. Now, why at this point, though, were they attempting to build a tower that reaches to heaven? They were attempting to overthrow the Lord as he instructed them to disperse across the earth. The Lord gave them instruction to disperse across the earth and they rebelled, and the people were defiant. They did not want to disperse. They wanted to all stay together. Genesis 11, 5 through 6. Now the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. This is only the beginning of what they will do, and now no evil thing they imagine they can do will be impossible for them. No evil thing they imagine will be impossible for them. These were heathens, pagans, okay? These people were rebelling against God, and they got unity immediately. The power of agreement, something the church and the body of Christ still cannot manage to do, it seems. Thank you, Grace. There is still a struggle she just landed on top of the computer. There is still a struggle with unity within the church, but in the in the plains of Shinar, they got unity immediately. They did not have God's laws because it didn't come until Exodus to Leviticus, okay, the laws of God that were written. However, even the Lord himself admits no evil thing they imagine they can do will be impossible for them. This is serious because the Lord himself states this. So you know there is a serious 911 situation going on on earth at that moment for the Lord himself to go see 
what the hey hey all of these people are doing and examine it okay that is very serious when the lord has to do that okay so this is what what is happening as babel you know the beginnings of babel is being built in a way it meant a threat of another rebellion into heaven it meant a round two for satan what happened between him and the Lord the first time and he rebelled and he was cast out of heaven as fast as lightning hits the earth. This was another way, another avenue for Satan to try to lead another rebellion against God. Now back to Genesis chapter 10 verses nine through 10. Nimrod comes from the Hebrew word Marad, which means to rebel. So he rebelled against God. The ancient Semitic root is the Marad is the origin of our word marauder, which is murderer. So Nimrod was murdering the people's relationship with almighty God and turning them against God from being their source. He was murdering their relationship with God. Just as Lamech came through the line of Cain, who murdered Abel, who represented the willingness to serve God, the people who served God, Cain, which was Abel, Cain murdered Abel as a power play and an attempt to establish his position. And we see this come forth from that same line of Nimrod, where this rebelling against the Lord begins in the Garden of Eden, but even before that, when Lucifer led that rebellion in heaven. And then we see what happened in the Garden of Eden, where man gave away their dominion, and the Lord had to send Jesus Christ to the earth to get it back. Now, Ezekiel 28, I'm just going to quote from it. It says, by the great quantity of your sins and the enormity of your guilt, by the unrighteousness of your trade, therefore I have brought forth a fire from your mist. It has consumed you. And I have reduced you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who look at you. You see, that is the nature of Nimrod. Right here, Lucifer, who wanted to exalt himself above God, that is the nature of Nimrod. Abraham wanted to humble himself before God. Nimrod wanted to exalt himself above God. Actually, if you reference the book of Jasher, which is in the Apocrypha, which is the 13 books that about 200 years ago were taken out of the Bible by very liberal Protestant scholars. They are Jewish historical text and they provide some very interesting information. And in Jasher chapter 9, verses 21 through 26, it talks more in detail, if you want to go look at it, about why they did what they did. Nimrod and Babel, why they did what they did. It's in Jasher chapter 9, okay, if you want to go look at it. Now, there are only two people in the Bible who are specifically categorized as hunters, Nimrod and Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, who later became Israel. Hunters hunt to kill. Okay, that's what they do. Genesis 25, verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau 
was an able and skilled hunter, a man of the outdoors, but Jacob was a quiet and peaceful man living in tents. Isaac favored Esau. Isaac's heart was toward the hunter, the rebellious one. In a way, Isaac had been lured away from hearing what the Lord wanted because of Esau's influence, because he was a hunter. So was Nimrod. That had to be rectified for the Jews to become a nation because Esau had an eye for Canaan. I believe it was Canaanite women. He married women from pagan nations. Now, there is a parallel between Esau and Nimrod and Assyria and Edom. The Hebrew meaning of the name Esau literally means doer, maker, worker, okay? And comes from the Hebrew word also known, which means to do. Let's just remember that for a minute here. Hold on. And like I like we had said before, Esau was hairy. And the Hebrew word for hair is seer. And he came out of the womb red. Now the word for red is Edom, okay? So this all ties back to Nimrod. And we're going over this again because of what we're about to go into, okay? And Edom represents the land of Esau, where he dwelled, which was actually near southern Jordan. Now, in Genesis 32, verse 3, it says, Then Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, okay? Interestingly enough, another thing Edom represents is the scapegoat. What happens to the scapegoat? In Leviticus 16.8, Aaron it says, Aaron shall cast lots for two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. The scapegoat is the one where all the sins of Israel were laid upon and sent into the wilderness. Say ear, S-A, and then there's a little, there's a little, um, hyphen above or a little there's a little just just to separate the words it's s-a-i-y-r seir in hebrew means goat or devil that's what it means sounds a lot like seir s-e-i-r the word for hair meaning esau was going the way of darkness esau was hairy how does Jacob and Esau tie into Nimrod? Jacob and Esau are the continuation of the political struggle between Abraham and Nimrod and the continuation of the struggle we see happening today on the earth and in Israel, which leads us to the political and territorial struggle you see currently happening, not only in Israel, but in the United States of America. Edom heads the list of Israel's enemies in Psalm 83. We had read it before. So from the day of Esau himself, a burning hatred of Israel has been nourished among the Edomites. God says through the prophet Amos, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity. His anger tore perpetually and he kept his wrath forever. Amos 1, 
11. If any people would lead a war against Israel, it would be Edom, because Jacob and Esau were at odds with each other in the womb and opposites in every way, including appearances. Now, let's examine Amos for a minute in this, because Amos has a lot of insight that we need to look at for what's happening right now, this moment in Israel. Amos chapter one, verses six through eight. Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Gaza. Listen to this for three transgressions of Gaza. And for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they took captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. They took captives to deliver them up to who? Edom, Esau, which goes back to Nimrod. Verse seven, but I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza, which shall devour its palaces. Sounds a lot like rockets, doesn't it? Drone attacks. I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod and the one who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord God. Amos 1, 11 through 12, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom, and for four I will not turn away its punishment, because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity, meaning no mercy. His anger tore perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. But I will send a fire upon Timon, which shall devour the palaces of Bozrah. Isn't that interesting? Because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity. No mercy, which is the horrificness we saw happen on October 7th when Israel was attacked the way they were, horrifically butchered, no mercy, captives taken, Amos, what, what Amos is talking about is what we are seeing. Amos chapter two, verse six, thus says the Lord for now, this is interesting. This is where it gets interesting for three transgressions of Israel. And for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. These are those right now within the Israeli government who have forsaken the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and sold their own people for destruction. That's what this represents right now in the midst of what you see happening. There are those within the Israeli government that have infiltrated, that have forsaken the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and sold their own people for destruction, cast lots for them and tried to help destroy them. Amos chapter three, verses 10 through 11. See great tumults in her midst and the oppressed within her, for they do not know to do right, says the Lord, who store violence and robbery in their palaces. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, an adversary shall be all around the land. He shall sap your strength from you and your palaces shall be plundered. I just find this all fascinating that this, this, this is in the book of Amos, all of it. Amos 6, verse 17. I know that was, it's, it's actually Amos chapter 6, because I think Amos only goes up to about, I don't know, chapter eight or so. So it's Amos chapter six, verse 17. There it is. 
Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord, says this, There shall be wailing in all streets, and they shall say in all the highways, Alas, alas, they shall call the farmer to mourning, and skillful lamenters to wailing. In all vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through you, says the Lord. And then it goes to Amos 6, verses 1 and 3. Okay, we're going back to this for a reason. Woe to you who are at ease in Zion and trust in Mount Samaria. Notable persons in the chief nation to whom the house of Israel comes. Woe to you who put far off the day of doom, who cause the seed of violence to come near. You know what that means? When he says put far off the day of doom, who are at ease, who let their guard down. Woe to you who let their guard down, who think such danger will not come. Those who put far off the day of doom will then cause the seat of violence to come near. So those who are at ease and let their guard down will cause the seat of violence to come near. Just keep that in mind also with what we see going on. Now, back to Nimrod, Babel, and Esau, okay? Because we had to go through some of this first in Amos to tie all of this together. So it appears in order to rectify what Nimrod caused at the time of Babel, since Nimrod deceived the people into turning from God, led them on a campaign to erect a tower, all in the hopes of going in and out of the heavenly realm and ruling. And since the only other mighty hunter mentioned in the word of God is Esau, in order for the Lord to rectify and restore the birthright to the righteous line of Abraham through Jacob, deceiving the deceiver. Esau, who like Nimrod, did not value the things of God because the birthright was God given to the firstborn and Esau saw no value in it because he went away from the east, the origin, the place of God, and he sold it for a pot of stew. So Esau journeyed away from the things of God and sold his birthright. And Jacob deceived the deceiver. Jacob was the one that God had appointed to for the for the 12 tribes of Israel to come from Esau was a deceiver and he was a hunter and he was rebellious so Jacob deceived the deceiver and Jacob acting as Esau before a very frail and blind Isaac was given and spoken the blessing of the firstborn over him along with the birthright that Esau had squandered in order to birth the nation of Israel. So this all goes back to a birthright being sold for a pot of stew and then Jacob taking that birthright and getting the blessing of the firstborn because of it and Esau losing that God-given birthright. And what happened when Esau lost it? His anger raged. What do we see right now happening? The anger rage, right? That spirit of Esau, 
that spirit of Amalek, that anger raging, want to take back God's pastures and the birthright that God gave to Israel. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, the name Qatar got in there somehow, and the Lord may have allowed it to be put in there. So I would just watch the area where Qatar lies right now in the middle of this. Okay, so if we look at it, and we look at Rebecca, who carried Jacob and Esau, because they were twins, right? They weren't identical twins, but they were twins. And she has them in her womb wrestling. Two nations, right? Or two kinds of people in her womb wrestling. Now, the definition of enmity is the state of feeling or being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. So when Jacob comes out, he has a hold of Esau's heel. That is symbolic. And when Esau was first born, stealing the birthright was bruising his head. Okay? He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It was taking headship from Esau. Grabbing the heel also represents from the beginning, Esau was not going to move forward as the firstborn because Jacob had his heel. Okay. He had his heel and then he bruised Esau's head by taking the birthright. I do not find that a coincidence because then Jacob went on to birth the 12 tribes of Israel forth from his sons. So now that we have laid all of this groundwork for you to understand the roots and the history and the biblical timeline of where this all comes from. We're going to go to June 9th, 2022 with a word from the Lord. And the Lord says, and says the Lord of hosts towards the high holy days. Okay. Of this year. Now, what, what's interesting about this. Okay. Is the high holy days starts the beginning of a new year. Okay. So the Lord says towards the high holy days of this year right? So he's really talking about the next year on the Jewish calendar. But he says, there shall be a great splitting of the ground near Israel. Afghanistan had that enormous earthquake not long after the attack happened. And a great divide and total upheaval of the government as a civil war from within is spilling over and out. A house divided against itself cannot stand, says the Lord of hosts. And truly that house, the house of my firstborn is divided against itself. And it grieves me, says the Lord, that their own people, their own people, that Hebrews would turn upon their own people and attempt to enslave them. As so Egypt attempted to slowly and tactically do to Israel. So they have chosen these wicked men and women to do the same. However, says the Lord, this is the year, meaning the, the next year, the upcoming year, that I deal with the firstborn who have turned their face from me, who have turned their lusts after their own kind, who have turned away from my word and my laws, that's capitalized, says the Lord of hosts. This is the year the rebellion of Korah 
shall be put down, says the Lord of hosts, and they shall be weeded out and plucked up from amongst Israel, says the Lord. Now it goes on, and this is where it gets really important. And says the Lord of hosts, Israel is about to make a very, all capitals here, a very bold move, an urgent move. And Iran shall have one of the largest hits and losses it has ever had, as their web shall be hit in its corners and torn down, says the Lord of hosts. Watch and see as it erupts on the news and leaves Iran in a very vulnerable position. Judgment has come to the house of the Ayatollah and entered its, and entered its halls, says the Lord of hosts. Israel is about to make a bold move, an urgent move. You only make an urgent move when you are under attack. This was pointing right at what we are seeing right now happen. And Israel has its sights set on Iran because Iran is the one using Hamas and Hezbollah on the northern border where Israel and Lebanon lie to try to do their dirty work and their bidding to destroy Israel. This is the bold, urgent move. Now, the next part of this is that the web was going to be hit. Iran's web was going to be hit in its corners and torn down, first of all. Secondly, it was going to erupt on the news, which the Lord doesn't talk to me about the news a lot. I mean, like he's not going to say this is going to be in the news. He, the Lord doesn't do that with me much. But in this, he did. And it has erupted on the news. And at the end, it says it's going to leave Iran in a very vulnerable position and judgment has come to the house of the Ayatollah. The first part happened now. Israel's about to make a bold move, an urgent move. Okay? Watch for the rest of these events to now happen because the first one has been set in motion. Now, from what I would I, I looked at with all the the history of the conflict that goes on with Israel and Gaza and its neighbors, there are three major conflicts that have happened in Gaza. I'm not talking about random rockets. I'm talking about it appears there are three major conflicts that have happened. There was Operation Cast Lead, which was December 2008 to January 2009. That was a three-week armed conflict between Israel and Hamas during the winter of 2008. Okay? It was an escalation of the ongoing Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Okay? Israel responded to ongoing rocket fire from the Gaza Strip with military force in an action titled Operation Cast Lead. Now, the reason they chose that name, um, which was clever on their part, is because it was the operation began on Hanukkah. Cast Lead is a ref is a reference to a Hanukkah song, which is Lichvod Ha Hanukkah. Okay, so that's where that comes from. Two thousand eight was also a Shemitah year. The same year. This three-week armed conflict happens between in Israel or with God, with the Gaza area. The banking crisis happens in the United States of America, and it was the same year Obama took office. The same year the banking crisis happens in America and Obama took office, this conflict erupted in Gaza. Obama takes office and then began laying the groundwork for what we see today going on. 
Obama cultivated ISIS. He cultivated it. And he allowed the ideology and hatred into the halls of the White House and into the government. And ISIS right now is within Hamas. They are within Hamas. And Obama is the one that cultivated the ground and tilled the soil for this. And then allowed that into the halls of the White House and in the government. And then you go to 2014. Gaza war. It was called Operation Protective Edge. July to August 2014. Military offensive on the Gaza Strip as a response to the collapse. As a response to the collapse. Who was president? Obama. He's in his second term by now. Okay. As a response to the collapse of American-sponsored peace talks. Who's behind this again? Obama. Who took office when the first one happened? Obama. So the peace talks collapse um, and attempts by rival Palestinian factions to form a coalition government. Okay. Because of that, the kidnapping and murder of three Israeli teenagers happened. The blood is on Obama's hands for this. The subsequent kidnapping and murder, okay, happened. That uh, uh, We had a kidnapping and murder of three Israeli teenagers when the peace talks collapsed. And then a subsequent, because it could not be proven, kidnapping and murder of a Palestinian teenager. And increased rocket attacks on Israel by Hamas militants. So Obama is a common denominator between both Gaza wars that I have just gone over. Now, we go to the third. October 7th, 2023 would be the third war in Gaza. What did the Lord say? Things will come in threes. This is the third major war in Gaza. Events will happen in threes. May 24th, 2023. Thus says the Lord, do not ask for a king in your nation, ask me for the one appointed to lead. Teetering on the edge of Saul, says the Lord, battling instead of David's facing Goliath, facing the Philistines, facing the pagan enemies that have blasphemed on altars and high places in your nation. Two unaltered rams, says the Lord, must listen, all capitals, in this hour or they will tire themselves and the people out with more ramming than running the race, says the Lord, in this hour. When the Lord says in this hour, it means it's imminent. It means it's going to happen really soon. Okay. And that's, that is something important because it may, it was May 24th, 2023. When the Lord said things will come in thirds, things will come in threes. May 12th, 2023. And there will be a hard that's capitalized adjustment that the whole nation that's capitalized will feel. There will be a hard adjustment that the whole nation will feel. And the all capitals of my, that's capitals, mighty power will fall. People will question. People will look when this hard adjustment happens. It is coming. It is coming, says the Lord. Well, it's happened. We're seeing it happen right now, real time. 
August 2nd, 2022. And says the Lord of hosts, bait fish to catch a larger. Bait fish indeed have been thrown out for a catch. Oh, they are chumming the water, says the Lord. And I, the Lord God, as you, O leaders who have been stolen from, I, the Lord your God, will order your steps. I shall reveal the blueprint. But you must listen, that's capitalized. So you do not, that's capitalized, get caught in deep waters that's capitalized as the temptation is there says the lord of hosts for there are those lurking in the deep seeking an occasion to take out entire family lines says the lord of hosts they are seeking an occasion to throw out their nets for a catch and pin the people down as they poke and prod them as cattle says the lord of hosts for all the shuffling is being brought to the surface as even a garland shall lose their prestige for the deals they made the blood that was shed you know why and the refuse that was created from such foolish, sloppy policy, says the Lord of hosts, because once they exchanged those prisoners and sent that money, released that six billion to Iran that now they've tried to freeze, the bloodshed happened. The blood is on their hands, including a garland. January 27, 2023. And the spirit of the Lord says this day, they shall come with chains and fetters to bind you. And if you humbly come to me, that's capitalized, I shall break their chains of iron. Their charges shall befall them, for they have been doing even worse in the dark behind the door to the inner chamber. They have met. Four leaders have met from such committees. And in this meeting, they have discussed a leader swap with each one at the table, playing a role. Thus says the Lord, they have discussed shutting down grids and markets in key parts of the country to scare the people and herd them like cattle into their plans. The paper that outlines your points and plans shall be revealed, says the Lord. It shall be by one who has had a yoke of conviction come upon them. It shall surprise you, says the Lord. It shall. This has to do with what's happening with the Speaker of the House and the Congress. And this also has to do with things going on in Israel. December 8th, 2019. This word is almost four years old. Cities foundation to have challenged the holiness of almighty God will be shaken. And there are states within the U.S. that will see such a shaking for their willful mocking rebellion that it will shock the nation. Make no mistake. The Lord thy God is not mocked. Now the axe and the sickle. Now the Lord calls it an axe for good reason. Okay. Even though it's a hammer, he calls it an axe. Look for the country that touts this. A complete shift in breaking news will come forth as these countries are dealt with who have been in dirty dealings with bureaucrats in the U.S. and abroad. The blood will be exposed on the hands of those who were deep in it, for they serve mammon, not me, says the Lord. And mammon will turn them over and turn on them as I drop the axe, says the Lord, and mammon will hightail it out of there, the coward that he is, says the Lord. Now, this is a lead into this. Iran will suffer a very public mortal wound, a gushing wound for what they have done to Israel. And I am striking Hezbollah with madness. They will go mad and suffer complete disorder, says the Lord thy God this day. Now, we have an article from the New York Times that shows the, uh, the Soleimani strike because President Trump was in office when the strike was ordered. And it's from the New York Times, I believe, this article. And here it is. U.S. strike in Iraq kills Qassad Soleimani, commander of the Iranian army. So we just wanted to show you that headline really fast. But I'm going to show you something real interesting about this. 45 months after that strike, after Soleimani was killed, 45 months Trump 
was the 45th president of the United States, right? And it was 45 months after that strike that the attack on Israel happened, that this attack and this surprise attack after the after the anniversary of the Kippur War on a Sabbath happened 45 months later. And it was April 23rd in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that the Lord woke me up at midnight. I think it was around April 23rd. It was it was April 23rd or 27th. I have it written down. But it was late April. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the Lord woke me up at midnight and said, Trump was the 45th president of the United States. He's running to be the 47th president. Four plus five equals nine. Four plus seven equals 11. Nine, 11. The funds were released to Iran from the U.S., on 9-11 that now they have tried to freeze and walk back given what has happened. They are calling this the Israeli 9-11 what happened in Israel. Okay. 28 days after the prisoner swap and the money is released from the U.S. to Iran, 28 days later, the attack on Israel happened. This election in 2024 will be 28 years since the Clintons last took office because they are involved in this with Obama. There's a tripod here. Okay, let's put it there's a tripod going on right now. And then the dream I was given in early 2021 where I saw Joe Biden sick in bed and he looked like he was dying and Obama was at his bedside by his head and Biden's family was nowhere to be found. He appeared, he appeared grief-stricken. He appeared very sick. And there were three different pairs of shoes lined up. Um, Barbara had said that represented three different leaders. They were on the floor next to the bed, three former leaders. Obama was at his bedside dressed in a nice suit and ready, excited at what was happening. There was a crowd of Middle Eastern people in their garb gathered around the bed waiting Okay, so they, they, they are gathering around the bed as well, you know, representing different countries in cahoots together. Okay. And a piece of apricot candy known as Turkish Delight is on the bed. And I fought through that crowd and I reached and snatched the candy away from them and ate it so they could not have it. That candy represented a celebration and victory as is prevalent in Muslim and Middle Eastern culture to pass out candy when it is a victory over your enemies and it was snatched away from them. And I, and I represented in a way the prophetic. Okay. And the people rising up to be utilized by God to destroy their plans. June 9th, 2022. And says the Lord of hosts, Israel's about to make a very bold move an urgent move. Okay. That was that. We just went over that, but we're going over that again. And they're going to have one of the largest hits and losses they ever had, meaning Iran. Iran shall have one of the largest hits and losses they ever had, okay? As its web shall be torn down in its corners, okay? That dream connects to all of this. And there was something else in that June 9th, 2022 prophecy. And says the spirit of the Lord this day, watch Egypt in this hour and that part of the world for major events that will turn the course politically with alliances in the markets. When was this? June 9th, 2022. Who's the one who tried to warn Israel that Hamas was going to do this? Tried to warn the Israeli government? Egypt. It was Egypt that tried to do this. 
Um, and so I have a couple of articles right here at the end to show you quickly before we end. Yep, there it is. Iran's arch terrorist, arch terrorist was architect of Hamas massacre. Okay, so this is why they're going to suffer a very public mortal wound. And the next one from the BBC that we have to end with. And we'll put up in a minute here. Egypt warned Israel days before Hamas struck. Egypt warned Israel. So we wanted just to put that up there too uh, to show you. But continue to watch Egypt in the middle of this. And the Lord said on June 9th, judgment has come to the halls of the Ayatollah. This had to do with what we're seeing now. Soleimani was the precursor to it. What we're seeing now has to do with this prophecy. So I want you to keep all of this in mind. I know it's a lot of information. We will put it up on the blog. Um, I appreciate you all sticking with me. Our team did a great job because it's a lot of information um, for this part too. But I wanted to give it to you and I wanted to give you the groundwork for all of this. So you understand how far back this really goes. So please um, continue to pray for Israel. Continue to, to bless them. The Lord says, I will bless those who bless you, O Israel, and curse those who curse you. Continue to bless them, pray for them, pray for the Christians in the middle of this right now, too, that in Gaza that have been displaced, that are horrified by what Hamas has done, and they've been displaced in the middle of it. Pray for them also in the middle of this, um, and pray that that Israeli leadership humbles themselves under the yoke of Almighty God, Adonai, in this hour, because they need him to lead this. They, they don't need their flesh right now. They need him to lead this. Okay, and also watch what our administration does in the middle of this. Watch what they're doing because they're trying to save face. And as they're trying to save face, they're making deals behind Israel's back. So watch this also as we end. Okay, I have one announcement as we end here. And that is our gala that's coming up. Our gala is coming up. You can RSVP by October 21st. It is for the animal sanctuary. The animals from the sanctuary will be there. We have some special guests joining us too. Eric Metaxas is going to be there. We have some other special guests that are coming. Um, and so we are very excited for this gala. So if you can come, please do. You could go to arcofgrace.org forward slash events to sign up. And I just want to thank everybody. God bless everyone. Keep the faith. Keep the faith right now. Pray for Israel. Pray for discernment in the middle of this because there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on also. And watch Russia in the middle of this. Watch Russia with Iran in the middle of this and what happens because they were the ones sending Scud missiles to Egypt behind Israel's back for the Yom Kippur War when it happened. So just watch them in the middle of this also and how this rattles other parts of the world right now who may see an opportunity to attack themselves and gain territory because they see a window. So just keep that in mind also. God bless everyone. Keep the faith. Armor up according to Ephesians chapter 6. Psalm 91. Say it every single day. I say it every single day. It's a very powerful psalm. It is a very powerful psalm to speak it and activate it. Um, I also encourage you to be in the word every single day with the Lord. This is our soul food. This is how we grow. This is how we get direction. And this is how we get sharpened to hear the Lord's voice, know the Lord's voice. And the strangers, we will not follow. 
So I'll leave you with that thought. God bless everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. And I have to tell you something, they work. It is an alternative to big pharma based on quantum physics, over 40 scripture verses written into these patches for everything from blood sugar, anxiety, pain, neuropathy, to immune system boost, dog pain. They are very sincere about um, having alternatives to big pharma. We are a big advocate of natural solutions to help with pain and, and, and blood sugar and a host of other issues. I yeah. tried the pain patches and, yes. and they worked when I used them. When you connect it to your body, the skin patch changes changes your brainwaves. Sugar, this one is neuropathy. I actually have it on. And we use this on Toby, actually, because Toby's about eight years old. And from being paralyzed years ago and the Lord miraculously healing him, he has a little leftover with his joints and his hips. So we actually give him the doggy pain patches. What was he doing? He was running? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I walked him out. And wow, he's boom. And he got power. I said, no way. And I don't know. I said, Amanda, what? What did you do to him? To <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. If you are looking for an excellent doctor, if you are looking to get healthier, if you are looking to understand why the things in your body operate the way they do, go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Amanda Brace. Doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood of the Functional Medical Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma are there to help you with all of your medical needs. In fact, I am a patient of the Functional Medical Institute. And God bless Dr. Sherwood because Chris was a tough nut to crack on this. But after over a year and a half, Chris is finally on board. He is a patient of Dr. Sherwood's and him listening and, and implementing what Dr. Sherwood has taught him has made a difference in his life. So if you are interested and curious as to what they do, if you'd like to make an appointment, if you'd like to see what products they have, because they have some amazing products, go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Amanda Grace. Thank you. You want to support an amazing patriot that's doing so much for our country and be a blessing. You can go to MyPillow.com and use promo code ARK, A-R-K, to save up to 66% or sometimes more off of all my pillow products. They are so much more than just pillows. They have amazing bathrobes. They have sheets. They have slippers. They, of course, have pillows. And they even have dog beds. And I will tell you a fun fact. Noble, our pig at the animal sanctuary that many of you know and love, has indeed slept on a MyPillow dog bed. So if you'd like to be a blessing, go to MyPillow.com and use promo code ARC. God bless everyone. If you are looking for advice on financial matters, if you think gold and silver is something that you should invest in, go to bh-pm.com today. Andrew Sorcini of Beverly Hills Precious Metals, who's been on Ark of Grace many times, he loves to answer our viewer questions. In fact, he's answered all sorts of questions about gold, silver, the markets, even the real estate market he's been kind enough to answer questions about. So if you would like more information, if this is something you would like to invest in, please go to bh-pm.com today. That is bh-pm.com. Hello, everyone. It's Amanda Grace. 
I'm here to talk to you today about this incredible product that I use every day called Power Team. It is 130 raw superfoods. And I have to tell you, it is one of the most amazing products I have ever used. I take it every day. It helps me with energy. It helps feed my cells at the cellular level. It helps me with clarity and focus. It helps with so many things and functions in your body, including your gut as well. So if you would like to learn more about this product, if you would like to learn the 130 raw superfoods that are in this product, please go to the link below or you could go to arcofgrace-ministries.com and go to our shop section and you will find Power Team there as well. Thank you, everyone. If you would like to grow your own food with what we see going on right now in the world with not only food supplies, but what they are doing to our food, you can go to amandagracegrows.com. These are amazing hydroponic growers. In fact, we have one in our parrot room, and this is an indoor one we have where you can grow food all year round, actually. Vegetables all year round. And we are doing that actually for our birds and our animals at our sanctuary. They also have outdoor ones. They actually yield 30% more and grow the vegetables three times faster. So if you would like to learn more, go to amandagracegrows.com. God bless. Hello everyone, it's Amanda Grace. I'm here to talk to you today about Reawaken America. I have had the honoring and humbling privilege of being able to be part of Reawaken America since the first one was had at Rima Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma in April of 2021. I have watched so many moments happen for the glory of God at Reawaken America. We have seen people healed, delivered, set free. We love to pray for people at Reawaken America. We have had the honor of praying alongside some amazing people uh, Marty Grisham from Loudmouth Prayer, Pastor Todd Coconado, who also deals in deliverance. And we have seen people's lives changed. We have seen them set free. We have seen people who are come seeking. And the Lord says, when you seek, you shall find. And you knock, the door shall be opened unto you. They have been seeking and those seeds get planted for the glory of God at Reawaken America. The word of God says it is the knowledge of the truth that shall set you free. And this is what we are doing at Reawaken America. You get biblical truth. You get a foundation of the word of God. And you also get necessary information right now to help you understand what is going on in America and the world. And I am humbled and honored that General Flynn and Clay Clark would even let me be a part of this. And People need the word of the Lord in this hour. That is what they need. They need those who are willing to boldly stand up and with the conviction and the authority from God, speak the word of the Lord into their lives. It is a catalyst. It is life changing. And, and we praise the Lord that we have continued in this. And we hope to see you at upcoming events that are happening this year. We hope we get to pray over you at these upcoming events.